Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined, of course, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And today is Literature Wednesday. We are breaking down the next four chapters in The Horse and His Boy, but just about finishing up this book, although since we are going to be taking a break next week, I think we've announced that, maybe, sort of, kind of, I don't know. If we haven't before, we're announcing it's announced it now. now. It's announced now. That's right. So we are going to be taking a break for all of next week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, you get a break from us. We get a break from editing and you? producing no. and researching. <laughs> and not yet. You know, I was about to say you get a break from us. We get a break from you. But then I caught myself because <laughs> I still want an audience. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so so we're 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 gonna do that. Um, so go figure. Next week, there's probably gonna be, some, or this week, the end of this week, there's probably gonna be some massive current events thing that happens yeah. that we are sitting there kicking ourselves, wishing we could have talked about on Monday, but we will restrain ourselves. Well, there Maybe are we'll the um, the presidential uh, candidates <gasps> dude, who dude, are talking on. Oh, the presidential no. candidate. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the Trump indictment. Did you hear what just happened with that? Insane. No, I did not. Insa- I did 18, not. 18 Republicans and Trump brought up on indictment charges just overnight in Georgia. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> yeah. It's, ugh, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, First Amendment. Did is you hear gone. that 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 all of his uh no, most of his uh campaign money is going towards his uh uh his court hearings? Legal, legal fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, okay. Like, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's fair. But this current, isn't current events Monday. So it's not, it's not. So we should shut up about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're reading the next four chapters in this book. We're reading, um, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Uh, is there one more week? After next week in August, I'll have to look at the calendar. So after that, we might get through the next four, which means there'll be two that are left over at the end. Very sad. So we didn't quite make it through at the end of this month. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a special episode or make it a little longer so that we can get through all of them because we do want to stick to our schedule and start a new book every month. So uh, anyway. looks like there's another week. Okay, so. good. Thank you. Great. That's that's awesome. So we'll, we have another chance. We've got another shot. At redemption for this, uh, but yeah, this, there's some some pretty interesting things that happened. I mean, um, hopefully you've read through these chapters because you know, like we've said before, we're not an audiobook, um, but we're also going to be pulling out some of our observations on these chapters, and so we of course will be spoiling some things. I mean, it's impossible to talk for a half hour without spoiling something so there will be small spoilers there will be um things that uh we will uh be giving away and you know we want you we, we don't want that to be something that discourages you from reading the books and so it's just kind of better if you've already read them so that was your homework if you've not read those four chapters which would be uh chapter seven eight nine and ten uh go back pause this Read through them, listen to an audiobook, however you consume this content, because it is some pretty, pretty fun content. Um, hey, if, if you're a parent, if you're a dad, you got kids, maybe tonight's story night. And maybe these four chapters should be on the docket. I don't know. Maybe that's what you do. Or the book. Um, but anywho, 
Before we get into discussing these four chapters and everything that's involved, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And Wednesday means that Jake does that. So Jake, what do you got for us this week? Uh, this week's verse is Psalm 2, verses 1 through 4. And it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Um, and Bruce th- was talking about this um, on Monday and even did a whole theological wrap-up on this. What I want to cover, or briefly talk about, uh, and this isn't very long at all, uh, which should fit nicely into this section. But I wanted to focus on this last little bit where it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs and the Lord holds them in derision. And that we, we take from this the fact that this is a powerful laughter. This is not a a laughing at them because they did something funny, not laughing at them because they said a joke, or this is not a timid laughter. Like this is a... um. Uh, a scared laughter. No, this is a powerful laughter because we, and we, we know that because of what is literally said right after that, the Lord holds them in derision, that the Lord has the power to, to judge them. The Lord has the power to hold them in derision and all that, that this is a powerful laughter and that this is him laughing at them for doing something stupid, them doing something wrong. Uh, and laughing at them that they think that they can they can set themselves against God, that they can create a plan to go against God. There is no plan that could ever go against God. So that this is that type of laughter. This is a powerful laughter. Um, and I would love to do a discussion topic on that. Not this week. I know not this week, but later on and maybe having John Brennan on with us to discuss that. Oh, that's so, a good thought. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we should definitely do that. So sometime. if people want to hear that, you know, mm-hmm. let us know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, leave a comment if if uh, the idea of having our favorite comedian back on the show to discuss that is appealing to you, because it's certainly appealing to us. All right. So thanks for the breakdown, Jake. Appreciate that, and uh, hopefully you in the audience did as well. Again, this whole week, as is tradition, if you're new, we break down the same verse. Uh, throughout the week, and we take different perspectives on it. We share uh, thoughts from us, but also other theologians, because, I mean, we're we're not theologians. We're just people who enjoy discussing these things and have read quite a few books and had these discussions and grew up in a homeschool family where this was what we did every night. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we like to draw from theologians, Day, and I know night, Jake, you know. prior to this, uh, pulled in some stuff from Calvin that yeah. he was discussing. And so we get our information, not just, you know, off the top of our heads, but from you know, what we've read and our experiences and, and learning from all these things. And, um, so anywho, maybe that lends some credibility to all the crazy things we say on the show. Uh, okay. So these four chapters, um, as is the other custom, I usually read these out loud. So I'll be doing that. Uh, chapter uh, seven is Erebus in Tashban. Uh, chapter eight is in the house of the Tizrock. Chapter nine is across the desert and chapter 10 is the hermit of the Southern March. So, these were some fascinating chapters. Ha. Chapters. Um, not episodes. Episodes. <laughs> yes. 
don't I don't even want to get that started in my head. <laughs> it won't go away. Well, it won't too bad. For a whole half now hour. It is. Say that again. <laughs> well, too bad. Now it is. Now it is. Indeed. Indeed. So uh keep in mind this happens just after the rendezvous point was uh that that whole scenario which we talked about last week where rendezvoused in the graveyards after making it through the city and then we have the whole scene with this really strange cat um and i won't say much more than that otherwise uh, i'll give too much away so i'm completely content with sounding like a crazy person if it means i don't spoil things um so that happened and then then there's this uh oh yeah was it the end of that chapter jake where the one of the servants is there's this like um uh uh calamine um servant who's leading these the two horses mm-hmm. uh Huyn and and brie and shasta sees them from around the tombstone and he's like Whoa. Oh no, they capture them or they discovered who they are or yeah. whatever. And you yeah. know, he's freaking out. Um, so we're not giving context on that yet. And but there's no Erebus, there's no it's like, what is happening? This is really strange. So then I think then Erebus comes in this next chapter, chapter seven, which we're starting this week. Erebus came around the corner or something like that, and uh then they exchange stories. And this is, again, mm-hmm. taking that mechanism that Lewis has been using throughout this whole book. It's, it's one happened. of the things that... Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things that kind of makes this book so different and sets it apart from the others is this storytelling mechanism that he uses over and over again, which is, you know, you're dropped in this scenario without context it's confusing. It's strange. It's crazy. It's a little scary. It's a little like, what the heck just happened from the last scene? It's totally different. And then we back up and there's the storytelling. One interesting facet of this that I just thought about though recently was the whole uh, calamine thing is that they're so good at telling stories, right? Like that's their thing. Their thing is, well, it's one of their things is, is storytelling. Um, like they they're dramatic with it. They're the eloquence of speech that they utilize in these stories and, and all of that is so extravagant. Um, and so people come from all around to listen to um, uh, Talamine. Uh, That's it. Right. Calamine. Have I been saying it Calamine. wrong the whole time? No, it's Calamine. There it is. They come out from all around to listen to Calamine stories. And so I wonder if that's intentional because the mechanism that's used here requires storytelling to take you back in the past and tell you, recount what happened. Right. And maybe there's some, uh, uh, what's the word? Not extravagant, but you take something and you elaborate on it. There's some uh, grandiose enlarging mm-hmm. of the tale, stretching the tale a little bit. There's a word for it. It's, I'm completely blanking on it right now. Um, Elegance. But, yeah, except you're Makes taking sense. something yeah. small and you're you're making it larger. It's not making it's kind of like right, making right. mountain out of a molehill, but you're taking something and <sighs> expounding, expounding. Yeah, that's part of it. It's another word. Anyways, it'll it. come to me later. But um, <laughs> but that that continues to happen, which which is neat, and uh, that happens here as well. And because there are four characters, there are four perspectives on what happened over the last day or two days since they've all met they've all been together 
And so all of those perspectives are shared, except I think, I think Wynn's story isn't shared. I think Breeze is though. But what happens is Erevis recounts um, the story of how she met with someone she used to know from the courts, uh, was her best friend. And both of them, um, like this girl who was her friend, took her back to the, this palace, this really nice palace. Um, then they ended up sneaking around in like one of the top officials. I think it's actually the, the Tizrock. uh, Tizrock's son. Who well, no, it's actually the it's the Tizrock's um house that they're in and they well, right. they, they see they see the um the Grand Vizier is who you're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. Was that who she was set to marry? Was the Grand yes. Vizier? Okay. Yeah. Vizier. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So they're taken uh well, they're not taken, they sneak into that part of the palace. And then what happens is they end up getting trapped in this dark room and they have to hide behind this couch. And while they're there, they, that's kind of where chapter eight jumps in, right? Like chapter eight hops into this moment of like just terror. And it's funny because the whole chapter, chapter eight is just, you're on the edge of your seat. You're, you're, you're like, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, what's, what's about to happen. Um, and chapter eight talks about in the house of the Tisrock. We are kind of brought in on this secret, you know, Pastor Hanson was talking about treachery, lots of treachery in this book. Well, this is certainly treachery in, in this chapter, chapter eight. Um, and one of the things that's extremely treacherous or that adds another degree of treachery to it is just the coldness of these two people, the Tizrock and his son. Grand Vizier is kind of taken off the table because he's just a wimp. <laughs> he's so scared of them that he doesn't do anything. Although sometimes he tries to stand up, but stand up to them. But then he's just like, eh, whatever. Um, just kind of wimps out a little bit. But the coldness. He slyly does some stuff. Like he, he tries to, you see it at the end of the conversation, the whole treacherous conversation that was going on. Um, he tries to sort of get in with the with the Tizrock after the son is all all mad and is you know is going off to do what he wants to do. Um, and the Tizrock is like, I don't think you should be doing that, but whatever. Here, mm-hmm. let me give you whatever you need to do to do that. Um, he's he's trying to get in with with the Tizrock and stuff. So he's doing. He can't he can't fully say you know he can't fully come out and stuff. To say that he wants to, he wants control in a sense, but he's trying to do it slyly. Um, yeah, but in a sense, I guess it could look like cowardice. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it, it kind of does. He's trying to pull the strings from behind the scenes and mm-hmm. not, uh, while not actively seeming like it, because he doesn't want to get beheaded. <laughs> right. Right. Which makes sense, right. but hey, dude, why are you there? Um, but anyways, so what, what ends up happening is they end up plotting the demise of Narnia um, and really plotting the takeover, the hostile takeover um, and uh, incursion or the uh, the um, invasion. I can't do words today. It's, we're recording this kind of earlier in the morning, so my brain is still waking up, <laughs> sort of. Um not enough coffee to wake it up fully, I guess. But 
I'm, I'm three quarters of the way there. So <laughs> this is me on three quarters of a brain. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, it's they're they're looking to conquer. They're looking to take the riches that are uh, in Narnia. Um, well, for themselves. Well, what they're what they're trying to do, what the, the whole plan was that the son was going to go in. He was going to, you know, take out as many um, uh, Arkenlanders as as much as he could and then head on to Narnia to um, Caraparavel, take Susan and go back. So they weren't mm. trying to conquer Narnia because they knew they couldn't do that. He was just trying to infiltrate, take take Susan, go, but destroy Arkenland in the process so that they can then use Arkenland as a staging ground to then take Narnia. Yeah, at a later okay. point. I meant the, the larger scheme, but yeah, that's totally... Thank you for breaking that down. I forgot some of those integral details. I just knew that they wanted to conquer Narnia eventually. But yeah, they wanted to first take Arkenland. And then... Because there mm -hmm. were two different schemes happening, right? Son wanted Susan. The the dad was like, uh, dude, why are we just going to do We'll find you another girl. Like, what are you going to do? This? <laughs> like, you know? And he was like, uh, he was like, look, if I'm going to let you do this, it's got to benefit me. And that was part of the treachery, too, was they were both vying for selfish motives, but they were also doing it with the typical Kallerman eloquence of speech. So they were pretending they were all wise and high and mighty and caring for what's the what's the phrase oh the delight of my eyes oh father the delight of my eyes you know like they yeah. constantly using yeah. this language that was just words it was empty there was no meaning yeah. and i think this exemplifies what we're told in scripture if you have eloquence of eloquence of speech if you have all the best words if you have uh, all the trumpets and the symbols and but you don't have love what are you right and it, it kind of was, um, even so, to, to play to this point, is that the, the plan was that if the son failed and he was captured, that the father would play it off as, hey, this is, hey, he did it without, without my consent. He did it without me knowing. Yeah, you know, just being just a foolish take kid. Him, do what you, yeah, do what you will with him. I don't care. He, he disobeyed me or whatever even right. though he kind of gave the go-ahead and that was the plan of the son that was the plan of everyone it wasn't like that plan was made without the son knowing yeah. but it's just this like i can cut ties with you at any point that i want you know yep yep yeah uh yeah which just compounds the treachery adds to it and yeah so that happened and then chapter nine, across the desert, this was the escape. This was Erebus, Bree, Huynh, and Shasta fleeing Tashban, the capital mm -hmm. city of Kalerman. I think it was the capital city, right? I should know this. Yeah, uh, yes. Well, the it was one of there, the so. biggest. It was one of the most well-known in, in the land. Uh, but mm -hmm. they're fleeing it. They spent the last, how many chapters? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> the last six chapters. So actually a really large chunk of this book is spent in Tashban. Um, large majority of it. 
And that's but crazy because taking... you don't you don't feel like they're in that in Tash Bond for very long. Yeah. Because the way yeah. it, it explains they're they're really in there for three Damn. days. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. Possibly. I think Shasta is in the graveyard for two days. Uh, I think it was mm-hmm. like um one night. Does it it's two oh, nights. Oh, that's two. It might have been two nights. That's true. Yeah. 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 So it's around three should, days, somewhere around there. We should know this. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> Details. Because we wouldn't do well on those random have you seen those like or heard about those government school like random things they do where you read the book and then you have to just like regurgitate random information that had nothing to do with the plot right. or anything. That that's just a thing. like any government school. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's a thing that government schools do, which is really strange. Like they'll have you read a book and then just like quiz you on yeah. random things that have no bearing or consequence, like <laughs> on the plot. Right. It's like, that's not what you were meant to get away from this book. Like, <laughs> what am I? Google <laughs> chat GPT? Like really? If so. the author's good enough, you will remember what needs to be remembered. Yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. the quiz maker is better and actually understands the point of the book themselves, mm-hmm. they'll ask better questions. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anywho, the chapter across the desert is them fleeing and we get this scene. Is this the second? No, this is the third time. Yeah, this is the third time. No, mm, I almost spoiled something. This is the second time we're met with lions. And uh, that's true. In this case, it's one lion attacking the uh, horse of uh, Erebus that Erebus is on. So when um, as they're fleeing from the um, Tisrox people, right? And scratches, you know, Erebus is back, like digs the claws into her and then um, right. ski, like terrifies, uh, uh, not Bree, but when, well, actually, yeah, Bree gets absolutely terrified, which comes into bearing a little bit later, just completely runs without um, going back to, to thought, catch yeah. Quinn or Erebus. But Shasta does something. I mean, if you know him, it's kind of not unexpected but i think even to him it was unexpected because he was like right he didn't even think about it he jumps off are you saying if you know who he is actually or if you it, know him throughout the entire story yeah throughout the story like, well yeah if you've been reading and you've been in his head this whole time because that's yeah. the whole thing about reading is you get to be in people's heads right you get to hear yeah. what they're thinking and see things from their perspective it's not surprising to the reader that Chester would do this but it was surprising to him he jumped off of Bree's back and ran back. No weapons, no armor, no nothing to protect uh, Erebus and Quinn from being attacked by this massive lion, this clawing and ripping them to shreds. And um, it was, you know, an entirely selfless uh, move. He thought he was going to die. He thought this was it, but he still did it anyways, which is incredible. I mean, we can talk for, forever on how that's an example of true masculinity right like this Mm -hmm. is a story that should be shared with every young boy growing up is this is what you should be doing when women 
and children are in danger, you run without a second thought of your life. Talking horses, you know, they're in danger too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> women children and talking horses um yeah. you run with that's the check so if you yeah yes situation comes up you gotta run through the checklist exactly okay, are they on the list first and this person no, no that talking, talking badgers or? they're not here <laughs> they're, they're no not talking here. badgers <laughs> if you hear um, a talking badger, badger you uh must be on something yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're hearing a talking badger, we uh, you should consider maybe switching up your medication or mm. I don't know, drink some water maybe. <laughs> um, so that that scene happens, which is very dramatic. It's painted wonderfully. I won't spoil the whole thing. What happens after that? Leave you in suspense a little bit. Um, go back and read that if you want to figure out what happens to Shasta in that situation um because it, it's quite it's quite the tale it's quite the harrowing scene then we come to chapter 10 the hermit of the southern march and this again i don't want to spoil a ton of it let's just say shasta is put on a mission very abruptly um and all of these events are put together in such a such a way that you know i think the interesting thing is that secular books about adventure and mystery and all of that um will have things happen in an order in a structure when in real life it's like how in the world could all of those things fall into place without something right. controlling them and we of course know that there is something there is someone controlling all of the events that occur but even secular writers can't run from that concept of um something controlling everything to work out a certain way to work out well and this is one of those times you know this chapter 10 the hermit of the southern march comes out he's got this robe and there's this gate that uh our heroes our protagonists are able to run through and just barely make it to safety and then are able to be nursed to health. And, and then a mission is given to Shasta to run as fast as he can and to not stop running until he gets to Archimedes. Yeah. Or King Loon's yeah. palace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. King Loon's castle. Yep. Yep. And warn them of what's coming. And that is where we're left off. And uh, yeah, a lot to cover good... in the in the last couple of chapters, especially knowing how the rest of the story. Uh, yeah, that's going to be very interesting. This next uh, episode, it's going to be packed with stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely stay yeah. tuned for that one. Yeah, it might be a, a special, special long episode because <laughs> there's so much there. So cool. Well, this was great. Um we got through four chapters and discussed those. Hopefully you in the audience have read those. Um, and uh, we hope this conversation was interesting. You got some cool stuff out of it. If you did, please don't forget to share this episode with as many people as you can. Like we always say, that's one of the best ways. You are our marketing strategy. It's one of our the best ways to get the word out about the show. So if you enjoyed it, find a friend, 
who will enjoy it just as much as you did and share it around, please. We'd appreciate that. Check out our show website, trdshow.net. Send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. And we are very much looking forward to seeing you on Friday where we have quite the discussion about squishy evangelifish churches. So join us then. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>